0: Continentals can take the lead, Kenny Gilmore with well, a crossover, lays it up and in, the Hamilton's first lead of the game, and this place is definitely, there's a rebound and it go, and the Hamilton's Continentals win! Welcome to the 50 Years of Hamilton College Basketball Podcast, Episode 2, Dr. Ernie Found, Class of 1974. Ernie was a driving force as a rebounder and scorer in the early 1970s during the first years of Coach Tom Murphy. Ernie shares some great stories about a senior captain, talks about one of Coach Murphy's unique recruiting tactics. Ernie gives a special shout out at the end of our talk, and he talks about dogs and alumni gym. That's right, dogs and alumni gym. Here we go. Well, good morning, Ernie. Welcome to the podcast here. We're really excited to have you and get a chance to talk about the early 70s and your time on campus. Well, great, Adam. Thank you
1: very much for having me.
0: One of the uh, the interesting questions and stories that that people always like to hear because it does change over time is just, you know, how did you find your way to Hamilton College, this
1: little college on a hill here in Clinton, New York? Well, uh, I I heard about Hamilton College. Uh, I'm from Batavia, New York, which is in western New York, between Buffalo and Rochester, and a couple of high school friends who were a couple of years older than I. Uh, went to Hamilton college and just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And so I went down and visited and, uh, you can't help but fall in love with the campus. But, uh, I, I went there mainly for the college basketball was, I'll have to admit, at least initially, uh, secondary, uh, as you know, the coach, uh, his name is skipping my mind, uh, Uh, wound up passing away during my senior year in high school. And, uh, but I, and I had met him just briefly, uh, but that really didn't deter me at all about Hamilton. But what really put the icing on the cake for me was the the gentleman who took over Warren Palmer uh, who had played basketball at Hamilton I think was the all-time leading scorer to Hamilton at the time, was who was living in Utica, and so he took over for the tail end of the season uh, to coach the team, and about two weeks after the end of the season, just before about the time I was making my college decisions, uh, Warren Palmer sent me a three-page handwritten, <laughs> three-page handwritten letter uh, about Hamilton College. Never mentioned basketball. Just talked about his experience at Hamilton College and what it meant to him and how important it was to him. And then it was a no brainer. I said, that's that's the kind of people I want to be with. So so off I went, uh, not knowing who the coach was going to be or anything. And then along, I didn't meet Tom Murphy till I was there on campus as a freshman. (laughs) And uh, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were a senior in high school, other
0: than meeting Coach Palmer or, or Coach Ken Patrick during your yes. visit here and then getting the letter, was there any other interaction between you and the coaching staff or was it just about the
1: college? It was mainly about the college. Uh, the coaches, I think, uh, you know, called maybe once or something like that. But I was it was the college, quite honestly, that uh, uh, was where I wanted to go. And I actually wanted to be like those two older guys I was talking about. Uh, if, if it's good enough for them, it's going to be good enough for me. Uh, and I was hoping to be able to play basketball at Hamilton, but, uh, you know, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But uh, but it, it was a splendid opportunity.
0: Yeah, we had a chance. Uh, one of our, our first podcasts was with Jack with him. And- Yes, you Talk a little bit about the campus and campus life and how Kirkland had started. And the,
1: what were your first thoughts when you actually got to campus here? Well, uh, as Jack said, Kirkland had just started. I think I was there during the third class, maybe, of Kirkland. And Kirkland was quite the antithesis of Hamilton College. You know, Hamilton was your uh, required courses. Everybody's got to do this. you uh, economics or bio or this or that or other things, Uh, whereas Kirkland was, this is in the 70s, early 70s, so Kirkland was kind of a live free or die kind of school. No grades, uh, no tests, uh, self-evaluations, and so it sort of attracted uh, (laughs) uh, young women who are of that frame of mind. Well, it sounds like a
0: lot of that led to the open curriculum that we had today. Sure. To really yes. explore things yes. And it sounds like Hamilton's done a great job blending both interests of Kirkland College and the, and the rigor of
1: Hamilton College. Absolutely. It took 10 or 12 years for the two to merge together, but uh, it was to the benefit of both, no doubt about it. Great. Well,
0: now that you're on campus, what did it look like athletically? Were there preseason workouts, guys just playing
1: pickup, or did you have to wait until practice started to, to get together? Well, my roommate, luckily, was a guy by the name of Craig Fallon. Uh, and Craig was from Utica. And so he knew the territory a little bit and he tended to play both football and basketball. And as a freshman, uh, he was going to be the starting quarterback for the freshman, or as a freshman on the, on the varsity, uh, and then was hoping to play basketball too. So Craig and I hung around a lot together. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I think it was after the second game of the season, he tore his ACL. Uh, And back then an ACL tear was, uh, you know, not quite a doom, but darn close to it. So well over a year of not doing anything. Uh, But yeah, a lot of pickup, and everything's in the alumni gym. Uh, And the alumni gymnasium was a kind of place that had its its special little uh, odor to it. Kind of a combination of uh, sweat socks, uh, used jock straps, and popcorn, sort of. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and you had to climb stairs to get to it uh, from the locker room. Uh, but it was always fun to head up there. There were almost always games going on. Yeah. So speaking of stairs, what was this new coach like? This uh, this Tom Murphy who came on yeah. the scene that year. Well. Uh, he, as you know, he had been a high school coach up near Watertown and was what I think was 72 and 0 or 73 and 0 and something like that. And won three state national champion or three state uh, tournaments in high school. And now he's beginning his college career. And he was pretty young. I don't know what he, he's in his 27, 28, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I'd say late twenties, right around 30 at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, so he's coming to Hamilton College to begin his. This is his first step towards becoming coach at UCLA. You know, so uh, uh, so I met Murph, and he was all excited. And uh, uh, well, my freshman, I was fortunate enough my freshman year uh, to make the varsity team. And, uh, and Murph doesn't like to talk about it, but uh, we were one in fifteen that year. That means one victory, 15 (laughs) losses. (laughs) Uh, Murph had to learn (laughs) what losing was all about. And he took it out on us to say the least. Uh, But uh, he hung in there with us very well. Our one victory uh, was against Utica College and we had lost to Utica College earlier in the season by over 40. I mean, we got smoked. And Utica College didn't have their own gym. They played at Notre Dame of Utica at the time. Uh, so we got smoked down there. And then when we played them later on the season, well, we wound up beating them. So even though we were one in 15, <laughs> we had some bit of accomplishment. But uh, Murph was a terror. Murph was single. <laughs> Murph, uh, Murph uh, spent a lot of time down at Altieri's. <laughs> The wings and pizza. yeah are right, lots of pizza <laughs> lots, lots of things to wash it down with, I think, too. Uh, but uh, we struggled quite a bit, but he hung in there with us. Uh, if I could tell a little story relative sure. to that. Uh, of course, Jack Withiam was going to be one of our co-captains. <clears throat> and I don't know if he told you about this or not, but uh, um, what was his name? Uh, John Nelson. Uh, was going to be the other co-captain. And I think John had maybe been the second leading scorer or something the year before. And so Jack and John were pretty excited about uh, the, the upcoming new year. And uh, as again, I happen to be on the verse. I make the varsity as a freshman, was the only freshman. About a week before the first game, um, before practice, you know, we're shooting around a little bit and I'm kind of off at my own basket as a freshman. And And John Nelson, uh, Varsity Neals was his nickname. There was another John Nelson who was a sophomore. He was JV Nelson, and it was Varsity (laughs) Nelson or Varsity Neals. Varsity Neals walked in in his street clothes, and he was kind of going from one player to another and chatting a little bit and hugging him and patting him on the back and kind of worked his way around the gym and came over to where I was shooting, and I was the last one that he had to say anything to, and he he said, uh, Ernie, I said, uh, you're going to have a little hard time understanding what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I said, what's up, Farsi? He said, well, you know, there comes a point in every man's life where they have to make some decisions. I've decided I'd rather drink this year than play basketball. <laughs> so <laughs> there's your co-captain uh, <laughs> stepping aside for very good reasons. <laughs> uh, but that put a little dent into things. But anyway. Uh, That's a good one. I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> I know you mentioned that uh, you were a freshman who made varsity and the only one. How many freshmen were there on the JV team? And was that a pretty big thing at that time?
1: Yeah. JV's played a big part of it. I, there were four or five uh, freshmen on the JV team. They played a pretty. Um, they didn't. They, I don't know. They maybe played five or six games throughout the whole year as a JV, uh, but uh, but with uh, we, I think we only had eight or nine uh, guys on the varsity, no, maybe well, ten. So we almost always practiced with what was called the JV team then. Yeah. Great, yeah. Uh, and
0: I know you know you said varsity. John Nelson decided not to play, then I know Jack Withiam got hurt, right? So the two
1: expected
0: senior captains were kind of in and out of the lineup that year. That's right. Therefore, one in in 15. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the nice thing I noticed is during your four years, every year incrementally you went forward as a team. So every year was a little bit better and started moving forward. And, And did you did you feel that change as you were there? Did you feel like things starting to progress in a positive way over your time? Yeah, definitely.
1: Definitely. And uh, Murph started to do some recruiting. Uh, I'm not sure how much actual recruiting had been going on up to that point in time. Uh, It was some of us like me, guys going to Hamilton who liked basketball and wanted to play basketball. Murph, uh, particularly my junior and senior year would uh, bring guys to the campus, uh, recruits to the campus and his big spiel then, (laughs) this is so typical of coach Murphy. The big spiel then, of course, the new library was being built. You know, it's, it's right almost adjacent to the alumni gym. And this big, huge structure that was taking a couple years to build. To build, So Murph would always say, listen, tell these recruits that's, that's a whole new gymnasium. That's a whole new athletic <laughs> complex going up. They won't mind when they get there. They're going to want to be in the library anyway. They won't know the difference. Tell them it's, it's a whole new <laughs> athletic complex going up. <laughs> <laughs> so when those recruits came to campus, what was that like? Did you
0: spend some time with them, have a meal, walk them around campus? You know, because I know sure we we would
1: spend the whole weekend with them. Would you? Uh, uh, fraternities were very active then. <clears throat> uh, most of the basketball players <clears throat> were down in Saou, uh, which is sort of the basketball fraternity of sorts, and. Deke was sort of the uh, hockey fraternity, so to speak. And, and DU was sort of the football fraternity, but that's a whole other thing. So, but, yeah, we would take them down there. And you've got to remember, uh, this is early 70s. The New York State drinking age was 18. Mm-hmm. So not that that played a huge role. Uh, in the activities, but you know the recruits could kind of be around most everything that was going on, and and get us you know a full t- participation. Not that we were, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, drinking all night with them or anything. But they were able to really appreciate a lot of the, a lot of the whole campus and things. And they would come for a whole weekend, yep. and we would spend. Uh, they were at our sides all the time. So that's the way Murph wanted to do it. Really, uh, really delves into the people and. He kind of pointed out a little bit ones that he really thought, "Hey, let's really go after this person," or things like that. A little bit. Yeah, that part hasn't changed a whole lot. Right.
0: <laughs> with the uh, with the team now, as you guys were slowly getting better, are there are there any games that stood out for you that maybe you think about more? You remember something unique about a game different than others, or some some fun opponents or fun trips?
1: Well, one game um, we were, this is about my junior year or so, and we were getting, it was a home game. We're playing up there in alumni gym and we're getting our butts handed to us. We're down by, we're down by 30 in the middle of the second half. And uh, also there's Germans, of course, again, this is the early seventies, 72, 73, live free or die, dogs on campus, dogs to class hair down a little bit you know hairy armpits hairy legs yeah that kind of stuff during uh, <clears throat> a time out a German shepherd walks out onto the court and just sits and sits at half court and the referee goes over and tries to shush the dog away and the dog just growls you know and so there, there's this announcement made will the owner of this dog please come and retrieve their dog off the court and nothing happens and Referees go up again and try to shush the dog away. Nothing happens. And and uh, they make the announcement again and nothing happens. And a couple players go over and the dog is just not going to budge and just growls at anybody <laughs> that goes over. So the referees came over to Murph and they said, Murph, you got to get rid of this dog. And Murph said, well, what do you want me to do? I can't do anything more than anybody else is trying to do. And the referee said, well, Murph, if you don't get rid of this dog, you're going to have to forfeit. And Murph said, well, if, if we forfeit, what will the score be? And the referee says, well, it'll go down in the book is two to nothing, you lose. You two to nothing, that's as close as we're ever going to get to this team. That dog can stay there as long as it wants to. <laughs> so that was typical Murph, you know, <laughs> always always good to mate-like. Light of a of a tough situation, yeah. and eventually the dog uh, wandered off or something. I can't remember, but uh, I remember just Murph, uh, It could stay there as long as it wants to, waving his <laughs> hand, and he walked away. And could. Yeah. I think
0: every player who's ever played for him can absolutely picture that in their in, in his mind.
1: Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure.
0: So, what were the practices like? Were they pretty fast paced, intense, up
1: and down the court, lots of shooting, lots of defense? Well, but you got to remember, back in the '70s for us, there was no such thing as a three-point shot. Yep. So um, it wasn't as up and down as much as the game is now. It was more uh, bring the ball on down, set up your offense, uh, a little more patient, a little more designed, and things like that. Uh, yeah, without the three-point play, it was it was a different game. It, it was a lot slower, a lot more. Uh, you know, everybody had, you know, a list of 15 different plays that you could think of as opposed to now it's almost a uh, self-sufficient offense, so to yeah. speak. Uh, Murph really pounded defense. Uh, he uh, more than I had experienced at all in high school, uh, but he loved trying to run the fast break with a rebound. And that's mm-hmm. what I enjoyed doing the most was uh, getting a bound and trying to go out and fill a lane and, so a lot of our practice drills were, uh, were on that running the fast break and things like that. Uh, he was pretty, he was, I thought was very tough at practice, uh, uh, sprints and all that lines and things like that were, uh, I mean, that's, it's still a part of it, but, uh, I'm golly. I remember, uh, halfway through the season, maybe won one or two games and Murph all of a sudden felt that we were out of shape. So, uh, uh. <laughs> it was get on the end line and we're going to run lines. He said, I remember the line, no pun intended. He said, "Uh, we're going to run lines until one of you pukes. (laughs) And so we started running lines and you know, you can do that for 10, 12 minutes or so. And then you're all starting to feel it a little bit. And luckily Ira Rubenstein, Ira was about 6'2 and maybe 250 pounds or so. Uh, he'd about had enough of it, so we we uh, ran our line, and Ira turned around, <laughs> stuck his fingers down his throat, and just started gagging, gagging, gagging in <laughs> order to puke, in order to in order to stop running lines. But uh, anyway, yeah, practices were practices were timely and fun, but hard, and uh, I appreciated that very much. I noticed uh, you're seeing uh, in the
0: 1973-74 season, even though you know, it sounds like it wasn't as fast paced, you guys still averaged 76 points a game, which is pretty impressive, um, especially without the three-point line. And, and just looking through the roster a little bit, it seems like you kind of had five guys that spent most of the time on the court for the team. Um, Mark Badger, Marty Guy, yourself, Pedro Garcia, and I think it's Brian Coombs. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it seems like that five, starting five,
1: I'm guessing, and played most of the minutes. Just looking at the statistics, does that sound right to you, Ernie? Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Mark Badger, who actually was my roommate for two years, uh, had the three-point line been around, uh, he uh, he was mainly an outside shooter, and he could uh, he shot he had this little jump shot with two hands. Uh, but could knock him down from well beyond what would have been the line. Uh, Just excellent, excellent outside shooter. Didn't like to pass as much as I wish he did, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's
0: what all the forwards say, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Columsey, I think was a freshman that year. Yes. And um, I think it was the next year. uh, Again, you couldn't dunk. Uh, when I played uh, college basketball, you could not dunk from I'm guessing at the years, but uh, 69 to you know 76 or something like that. Uh, the dunk was outlawed in basketball because Lou L. Cinder, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, had so dominated uh, basketball that they took away the dunk in college basketball. Greatly, greatly affected my game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you couldn't even dunk uh, in warm-ups, you know, at game time. So a lot of times as they, as they get psyched a uh, thing a day or two before a game, we would kind of have a little dunking session. Oh, fun. And, uh, and uh, I remember Coomzee went up uh, to dunk and came down and landed uh, poorly and, and tore his ACL. Oh. Uh, and if it Brian had remained healthy, he would have been Hamilton's uh, – uh, near the best of all time. He was quite a scorer, a lot of fun. Uh, what was Pedro, like was, uh, Pedro was a free spirit, fast as a cat. Uh, he would always beat me in the sprints and I would try to beat Pedro in the sprints, but he would uh, could just turn it on. Uh, loved driving to the bucket. And then Marty was a real good, uh, a real good outside shooter too. So yeah, we, we could, uh, we could score. We, uh, we didn't play as good defense as we needed to, as most of the scores would uh, would show. Yeah. yeah, between the
0: scoring of U5, uh, a lot of rebounds there, too. I think uh, you, you you were nine rebounds a game, I think, in your career, you had a year where you were 12, 13 rebounds a game. Marty was at five. Pedro was at five. Brian was at six. and. Mark Badger, I think, averaged about five or six assists a game that year. So it just seems like a, a great group of five to play with and get up and down the court with.
1: Yeah, I uh, uh, I wish we'd be able to all hang together longer because I think we could have we made the turn, successfully yeah. made the turn. Regrettably, it wasn't until after I left that they made the turn. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that says more about me than anything else. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes the building of it and the
0: growth of it is that uh, – the payoff, right? That's the fun part, seeing it build That's and right. grow and get better and better. Well, great. Any, right. How about any other great memories from that senior year? You know, we had a few more wins, got up to six wins that year. Um, had a nice little four out of five stretch, it looked like, beating Hobart, Ithaca, Middlebury, Oswego. So a couple of good
1: wins there against. Adam. The- I don't even remember hardly all of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember we beat Utica or not Utica. We beat union one year. Union was maybe it was my junior. They were very good. Yep. They had this little guard, uh, Joey Tedesco, I think his name was, uh, who wound up being an all American and things. And we had gone to union, lost at union. And then they came to our place. And uh, I think they were like 18 and two or something at the time. And, uh, we wound up beating him and beating them real well that, that's probably one of my favorite games was beating you or beating union with Joey Tedisco. yeah now at that time you obviously now we we've, we've been back in the
0: nescac here for 10 years playing a full nescac schedule and have been part of the nescac since the late 70s was that something that guys even recognized then that the difference of conferences or the nescac teams versus other teams in new york state or you just, did you just play the schools that were on the schedule and there was really not much affiliation
1: Yeah, the latter. We just, uh, we just played who we needed to play. Uh, You know, there was no post-conference or uh, post-season play at all. So it was uh, just, hey, who's our next game against? Uh, Yeah, really didn't play much of a role. Yeah,
0: that's one of the neat things as you go back to the 70s and early 80s, even a little bit, you get to see some schools playing each other at different levels, you know, whether it's Playing Lemoyne or Colgate or Cornell, I, I know Jack. And you look at the time was Division One, I believe. You know, just having some different opportunities to cross levels a little bit more than what happens these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we played a couple of Christmas tournaments too. And I remember we played Hartford one time and uh, the schools that were above us. Uh, but Christmas tournament time was fun. I, I, and we would. Um, when we, if we're going to play in a Christmas tournament, usually it was the two or three days before New Year's. So Murph would always have us come back uh, and we would start practice uh, Christmas Day, the evening of Christmas Day, and then would have double sessions for a couple days. <laughs> and, uh, and then off we'd go to a Christmas tournament. And as, it was a really a joy being on the campus, uh, being on the hill that time of year. always plenty of snow. Winter time, nobody around. You kind of felt like the place was your own.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, that, that was a lot of fun. The Christmas tournaments, no doubt. Yeah. Do you remember Ernie
0: at that time? When would students come back? When would the the next semester start? I know for us now, you know that that's a time where we get a lot done athletically, and the guys really get a chance to get together and bond. Like you said, it's, it's kind of empty on campus. But classes now don't start until. Later January, so we've got about three four weeks. Is that similar to what you had, or was it a little bit shorter than? It was.
1: It was a bit different. We were on what was called the four one four plan. So we would take four courses in the fall semester, would take one course during the month of January, and then would come back in February and take four courses. And that one course oftentimes was sort of a well. That's when a lot of kids would travel or go abroad, uh, would do self study. Uh, designed their own course uh, for that one month of January. So school picked up, uh, oh, golly, January 5th, January 6th, or something like that. and went the whole month of January, and then the second semester started in February.
0: Yeah, that's not too bad then. So you had about 10 days where it was just you guys there back on campus. Right. Yep. Great. Well, great. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share here before we we jump off, but certainly some stories I hadn't heard before.
1: I'm good. I want to put a... Oh, uh, I'm here with a good friend, and and he he wants to remind you that when I left there, I was the third highest score. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i probably about thirty third now. But uh, yeah. no, just were one and two. I know <laughs> Warren.
0: You what know, I know Warren Palmer was number one. Warren was one, and Bob
1: Volk was uh, oh, sure. Bob Volk was number two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a guy by the name of Bob Berger. Uh, uh, Bob Berger was five years or six years ahead of me at Hamilton, uh, but would always come back uh, and then he started to work in Syracuse after he finished up at Hamilton, but always come, would come back for alumni games and would come back for several of our games. And, uh, um, Bob was just, uh, a true Hamiltonian and, uh, I, I got to know him real, real well and, uh, uh, he, he played for Hamilton, didn't play much, but loved Hamilton basketball. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to Briefcase. Briefcase was his nickname. I think his nickname, <laughs> was Brief, I think his nickname was Briefcase. It was sort of an antithesis. I think he was at Hamilton for six years, so he got the nickname <laughs> Briefcase. But, uh, anyway, Bob, baby, special, special, special guy. Yeah, well, that's really. one of the great
0: things you've seen, especially with Coach Murphy being here 30 years, that the alums just stay really connected with the college and the program, you know, and that's, I know for us in the last 10 years going to the NESCAC, and we've had the chance to have a lot of alumni, especially in New England, really start to reconnect just because we're traveling up there for games every year, and then they really want to see a way that they can help the students that are here. So it sounds like that's something that's been going on since since Bob Berger was here in the 60s with his briefcase. So
1: Yeah, that's that's for sure, no doubt. Next time I'm on campus, uh, we'll try to get together. Great. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that.
0: Well, thanks, Ernie. I really appreciate you jumping on here. This was a lot of fun. I had some great stories, and I'm sure people are going to love to hear about it. So thanks again well, for good. taking the time today.
1: Thank you, and I'm so happy you're doing this. Good effort. Thank very much. Thank you.